Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Well, good morning. We're, uh, we're still getting used to saying good morning around here. That's kind of fun. We used to meet at four in the afternoon, and uh, so it's pretty, pretty fun. Who took a nap last week? Anybody take a nap after service? That was awesome. I miss Sunday naps so much. It's good to have those back. We're excited. And the weather's getting warm. It means we get to go to the lake after this. In fact, I think there was uh, several of us that wanted to get together and play some Frisbee golf or ultimate frisbee, or maybe go for a hike after service today. So uh, if you're interested in that, see uh, Megan over here. She, we're, we're, we like to hang out with each other. So if you, if you want to hang out after service, see Megan. They're trying to figure out something fun to do. She just needs friends. <laughs> it's a great, great way to get them. Well, hey, listen, we're going to pray real quick, and then we'll get into it. So Father, thank you so much uh, for this beautiful weather, uh, this wonderful service today. And uh, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, we say that this is your church, and, uh, and you're in charge. And so just have your way. Uh, have your way in our lives, and we do this for you, Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, good morning. Um, we're going to continue a little bit with uh, a sermon we had a couple weeks ago where we talked about uh, using what the Lord has given us, what's in our hands. And uh, we talked about um, being able to, to work and to do the things that Lord, the Lord has called us to do by just simply saying, what do we have now and what can we give uh, for him? And so this is a little bit kind of a, a part two to that today. Um, and, and, and it's titled, As You Go. And so we're, we're just going to begin to talk about how that looks and, and what that looks like um, today. So if you're anything like me, um, you probably have this inner desire for greatness and maybe even world domination. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying I have that, but you may. Um, but I think we all, we all have this, this longing for, for greatness. We have a longing to do something meaningful, a longing to do something uh, lasting and impactful, and, and we're, we're constantly told, I think, that we actually can do those things. And the world is, is telling us that we should be doing those things. And, uh, and it can feel a little bit overwhelming at times when we, when we think about what are we going to do with our lives, what should we be doing with our lives from here on out, and, and we begin to, to think about the great things that we want to accomplish. Um, my wife, Sarah, who was on the keys today, she accuses me of being a little bit dramatic sometimes, and, and, uh, and maybe that's true, and maybe it's not. No, I'm kidding. See, that was dramatic. Um, but I can be because I can, I can tend to, I can tend to over-exaggerate. I can, I'm a visionary type of a guy and I, I dream big and, and that is good sometimes and sometimes it gets me in trouble and I overcommit, and I, I, I under-deliver sometimes and I exaggerate things and it's, it's out of this desire to do something lasting and impactful and great. And that's not bad, but I think sometimes if we're not careful, that, that desire to do those great things will cause us to miss maybe the mundane, normal things of life, maybe cause us to, to cheapen those things. And, and the danger of, of living in a world where we're constantly pressured to post our latest great meal or our most fun thing we've ever done today, and we're just constantly trying to one-up ourselves and each other 
on social media is how wonderful our lives are. And our lives are pretty good, probably, compared to the rest of the world, and that's okay. But there's this pressure that we can't just have a normal day. We can't just have a day that's kind of blah. But we have to have a wonderful day, and we have to eat wonderful food, and we have to do amazing things. And, and there's a pressure there. There's a pressure that, that we're going to miss something if we're just being ourselves, if we're just being normal. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, how do we do this Christian thing, and, and how do we do it in a way that's sustainable, that, that's a long-term walk. Because if we're constantly living for, for greatness and huge things and big deals, then it can become exhausting. And when those things don't happen, we can feel like failures. And so we're, we're going to be talking uh, a little bit more about that today. Today is, is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a really interesting day uh, in, the, in the church calendar. It's an interesting day in the life of Christ. That, you know, Jesus spent a lot of his time kind of eschewing fame. He, he would disperse the crowds and send them away. He would, he would do an amazing miracle, and then he would kind of slink away in the crowd. And, and people weren't sure how it worked or who did that. And, and over and over again, you would see him turning away crowds. And, and over and over again, you would see the crowds wanting to lift him up in the way that they wanted to lift him up. In the way that, that they, would, they would see him as their Messiah, as the one that was going to overthrow the Roman, the Roman government and, and put put the Jews back into power. That, they were trying to lift him up that way. And over and over again, Jesus was avoiding that. And he was, he was not allowing that to take place. And when the crowds grew too large, he actually would say things that would, that would really mess with him a little bit about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and, and the crowds would dwindle and disperse. Because he wasn't interested in the great things that we find great. He wasn't, he wasn't wrapped up in the praise of men. He wasn't wrapped up in doing something that looked on the outside great, but what he knew would be actually futile. But here we have Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday, it seems like all of a sudden the people get their way, and he comes parading in, and there's palm branches, and people are shouting, and they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, and, and it seems to be this glorious occasion where finally now the people get to raise him up the way they want it to. And even in this moment, he comes in on a donkey, almost as, as a way to, to juxtapose this greatness. He doesn't come in on this, on this great stallion. He comes in on this donkey. And instead of rising to power, he actually goes to his death. Because in his death, we know that actually everything could happen. And in his death brought us life. And so even on Palm Sunday, he, he's being raised by the people, but he's coming in on a donkey to die. Because Jesus wasn't concerned with the quote-unquote great things of man. He was concerned with what God had in store. And so it's, it's interesting as we take a look at that. It's interesting as we see that Jesus is far more concerned with the simple day-to-day -day activities. He's far more concerned with the organic, very, very touchy-feely things, of relational things. He poured his life into twelve. And even in the middle of the crowds, he focused on them because he knew that it was those 12 that would go on and launch a movement. And so if we look at Jesus, we can see that Jesus uh, lived a little bit differently than we did. And our goal as, as Christ followers is to actually follow him. And when we follow Jesus, sometimes that takes us away from fame. Sometimes that takes us away from the crowds. It takes us away from prestige and 
And sometimes it takes us to the least of these. But that's what we do. We follow him where he goes. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a scripture, and we're going to look at Matthew 9.35. And we're going to read through uh, chapter 9 into chapter 10. And uh, Matthew 9.35, we're going to throw it on the screen here. And it starts with the famous passage that we, we really love around here about the workers. And he says, As Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, gogs, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. On to chapter 10. Then he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely you give. So what we want to focus on here is, is what Jesus tells them. He tells them that as they go, they are to do these things. As they go, they are supposed to preach the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that today because it's very important that we realize that our goal is to walk with Jesus. Our goal is to follow Jesus. Our goal is to go where Jesus leads us. And we, we are supposed to minister and we're supposed to be ministers with Jesus as we go with him. You see, we are all ministers. Every one of us are called to do the work of the ministry. And a lot of times we can, we can segregate ministry. We can regulate it to, to a certain area. Uh, we, can, we can keep it within the walls of the church. We can keep it on a Sunday. We can keep it as a church activity. But we're, we're all called to do this. And we're called to do this not just at specific times or at specific locations or at functions. We're, we're called to do this as we go. And we're called to do it as we go to work, as we go to the grocery store, as we go to the gas station. We're called to carry Jesus and bring the kingdom of God with us wherever we are. That's the whole deal. And so Jesus is sitting here, and he's sending out the 12. And we know from a sermon Rick preached a few weeks ago that it wasn't just for the 12, this mandate. It wasn't just for the 72 that came after that. That he then says that we're all commissioned to go. And as we go, wherever it is we go, we're, we're, we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to share Jesus. There's a world that is in desperate need of the Savior that we may know. And if you do know him today, there's a world that is just waiting for you to deliver that message. And, and here's the deal. We, we're constantly um, surrounded by these giant figures of the faith that's even more accessible now. 
And we can look to people like Todd White or like Andy Standy or, or Bill Johnson or Billy Graham or somebody like that, and we can see them ministering to thousands, and we can think that that is ministry, and it is ministry. And so what we can do is we can build a separation in our minds that those people are doing ministry. I'm, I'm you know, working at a bank, and so when I go there, that's ministry, and maybe I can pray for someone, or, or, or maybe I can get prayer, and then I'm going to go back to my job. And we've, we've separated the secular from the sacred. That was anti-Jesus' message. Jesus' message was that you are sacred, and he actually lives inside of you. And when you go, you carry his presence, and you carry his kingdom, and wherever it is you go, you can minister. And in fact, you should minister. And, and we have to get this, or else we'll, we'll just be like everything else. And we'll, we'll keep church on Sundays, and we'll keep our faith in these boxes, and, and we will be ineffective. And we won't actually do what the Lord has called us to do. See, this, this church here, our church, isn't necessarily to, to do ministry. The, the idea of the corporate church gathering together was actually that everyone comes together on, on a Sunday, and we sing praises to God, and we give God praise, and, and we've been going throughout the week, and we've been ministering throughout the week, and we come together, and when you minister throughout the week, you're going to come into situations, you're going to come into circumstances that are going to rock you, and you're going to get banged up, and you're going to get bruised. And, and ministry is dirty, and it's hard, and people will hurt you. And that's who you're ministering to, by the way, is people. And you're ministering not only to people, but you're ministering to broken, hurting, lost, dying people. And those are typically the ones that will wound you the deepest. And as we go throughout the week in our jobs and in our schools and at the daycare line, as we go there, we've gotten banged up and we come back together on a Sunday. And the first thing we do is we give God praise. And the next thing we do is we, we, we draw from the corporate faith of our brothers and sisters because we need it. We're out. We're empty. Because we've poured ourselves out throughout the week. And then we begin to, to say, hey, here's, here's some tips. Here's some advice. As you go, this is what you're supposed to do. But what has happened is that more often than not, we, we say that ministry happens on a Sunday and life happens on a Monday. And so when life happens, we run to Sunday. But the, the idea is that, is that Sunday is just kind of a, a triage facility. And we, we come after getting banged and scraped throughout the week as we've been ministering as we go. And we come back here to be poured into, to take the Lord's Supper, to receive prayer, to draw from the strength, to draw from the fellowship, and then we turn around and we wipe the blood off our chin and we go back out. And that's the mandate. And there's not really a day off. There's not really a time that it's appropriate and inappropriate. Because you, you're constantly carrying him with you. He lives inside of you. And as you go, you're called to bring him with you, and everyone needs him. Now, what we can do is we can, we can look at people and we can look at, at great signs and wonders and think that is what we have to see everywhere we go, but that's not necessarily the truth. Signs and wonders are great, and those will come. And, and we want to learn how to pray and minister effectively. We want to learn how to, to share our faith effectively. But, but as we go, sometimes we just have some coffee. As we go, sometimes we just love on someone. And as we go, sometimes we're just there. But we're there with Jesus, and we're there with the Spirit. And so as we go, we're called to go with him. 
I, uh, I've had a kind of a crazy week. Uh, my uncle um, was 53. He passed away on Monday. And he passed away after being in the hospital uh, here in Nashville for three months. Um, and as he was in the hospital, he was battling this crazy disease that uh, ravaged his organs. It was this autoimmune thing that came on really quick back in November. And he's from Alabama, and, and he, he was sent up here because he didn't know what to do. And, and so he came, came to St. Thomas, and he, he had chemo, and he had all of these things. And, uh, and we thought he was getting better, and he ended up passing fairly suddenly on Monday. And it was very difficult. He's got two young daughters, and, and um, you know, just way too young. And he was a, a really favorite uncle of mine. I have a lot of uncles, and some of them I like, and some of them I don't like. And, uh, and I really like this one. And this one was like a combination of, uh, of a, a second dad and an older brother. And he taught me, he taught me to shoot and to cuss and to, and to spit tobacco. And he's a, he was a redneck and taught me how to fish. And he taught me how to drive. And, uh, and it was just, it was a tough one. It was a, it was a tough one to lose. And actually, uh, last Sunday, right before we, we got here, I got the news that he, he was dying. And uh, I don't even really remember last Sunday, so I apologize if I preached that way. Or I don't, I'm not even sure what happened. Um, I didn't preach. There you go. Uh, I was pretty out of it. And, uh, and so we, we, we went to visit the hospital, and, and, uh, and we were there. And, but I, I would visit him um, all, all the time as he was there because we kind of took shifts uh, in, in watching over him. He was conscious for, for 99% of the time. And he was weak, and, and he was, you know, I mean, he looked like he was dying for the past three months. But he was constantly ministering to the nurses. And he was constantly ministering to the staff, and, and he would bring these prayer cards, and he would have them fill out the prayer cards, and they'd say, well, I don't believe in God. And he'd say, well, I don't care. I believe in God. What do you need prayer for? And he would pray for them, and he would, he would take them back to his church, or, or we would send them back to his church, and, and they would pray for him. And I got to see this man who was in the hospital, and he was dying. And he would say over and over again that if it just changes one person's life, if one person comes to the Lord through this whole ordeal, it's worth it. And, you know, the first time it sounds like, okay, that sounds nice. But then he would say it again, and you could see this resolution in his eyes that he really meant it. And he, he never preached a sermon, and he never, never did anything too great. But we had his funeral on Friday, and the small church that he was from uh, was overflowing. There was over almost 400 people that showed up. And people that, would, that could point to him and say, I remember running into him and, and he changed my life because he told me about Jesus. And he, he probably led thousands of people to the Lord. And he didn't, he didn't have a theology background. He, he didn't, didn't even go to college. And he dug ditches for a living for his entire life. But he, he impacted and he affected his community. The mayor came. The governor came. Because he, his reach was so broad because everyone he came in contact with, as he would go, he would minister and he would pray. He wouldn't judge. He wouldn't condemn. They were the family that said, hey, if you've had too much to drink and you're still in high school, call us. No questions asked. And we'll come get you. Don't drive. And maybe they would say something the next day to him. But everyone knew that they were safe. Everyone knew that they loved them. And it was just as they went, they carried the gospel. 
And I got to see firsthand how effective it can be if we really get this idea that we carry Jesus with us. We carry the hope of the world with us. And as we go, wherever we go, we have the opportunity, if we have eyes to see, to change the course of history for each person we come in contact with. There were so many people there that had no parents, that had no background, that their lives were changed dramatically because he decided that he was going to take it seriously. And in fact, he changed the course of history for his family. He, he never had a dad, and alcoholism rummed in his family, and, and he was poor, and he was uneducated, and he could have been another statistic. But what he did was he, he actually met Jesus for real. And Jesus changed his life, and he went all in, completely, totally sold out. And he was an amazing father to his girls that probably statistically would have never known him if he hadn't met Jesus, because he didn't know what a dad looked like. And he was an amazing husband to his wife. He was faithful, when really, statistically, he should have never been faithful. And he loved his family, and he loved the Lord, and he loved his church, because he went all in. And he decided that I'm a minister, even though I'm unqualified, even though I, I don't have a background, even though he got kicked out of a Christian school, he decided that he was a minister. And he took it seriously. We all have these opportunities to be ministers as we go. And we all may think of ministry as something that happens here. This is easy. This preparing a sermon and standing up here for 30 minutes, if that was all this took, it would be so easy. The hard stuff is on a Wednesday when you're in the office. And you're really not feeling it. And, and you've had a really hard day because life will kick you all the time. I, I'm a banker uh, during the week. And this past week has been very difficult. And, uh, and so on Thursday, I was kind of going around. I was making some, some last preparations to leave the office on, on Friday. I was out of the office all week. And I ran into a new guy at work. And he was, um, you know, I, I really didn't want to talk to him. Uh, I didn't really have time to talk to him, but we just, you know, he's, he's from the north, and he really likes to talk, and he talks very fast. And, uh, and so I just kind of went with it. And, uh, and so he began talking and drew me into this conversation. And, uh, and, and as he was talking, just all of a sudden, I just heard this whisper of, like, get ready. You know, get ready to be as you go. And I wasn't ready. But I just felt like something was happening. And so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he begins to tell me about how his marriage is in trouble. I mean, he's probably in his early 50s. And his wife is getting ready to leave him. And we, this is our second conversation. And, and we kind of make the choice of saying, okay, here I am. I guess I'll be available. I guess I'll, I'll be a minister now. I was able to pray with him. I was able to, to tell him that, that nothing is, is, is too far gone and that Jesus is actually in the business of restoration. And, and I've seen marriages firsthand with our own marriage that can actually be miraculously restored. And I was able to give him hope. And he didn't say a sinner's prayer and, and nothing dramatic happened. But it was as I went, I was able to deliver hope. And that's the idea. And, and each one of us are in spheres of influence. We're in different circles. We're in different contexts where you can be far more effective than I can be. And there's a relational component that Jesus knew about when he, when his, when he schemed up this church idea. And as you go, you're going to be able to speak into people that I'll never see. But the point is that as you go, you go with Jesus. 
And as you go, you go with the mandate to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, to lay hands on people that are sick, to cast out demons, to enter into spiritual warfare in your office and in your classroom. Because we're not just people. We're citizens of a new kingdom. And everywhere we go, we have this amazing opportunity to say there's a new king in town. And he's in the business of restoration. He's in the business of life. Everyone is going through terrible things. You know that, right? You are probably going through terrible things. And if you know Jesus, you have this hope, this underlying idea that at some point things will be redeemed. And at some point I will be able to see the the recreation of all things. But there's people out there that have no idea. And they're tormented and they're in bondage. And we have the ability, we have the right, we have the mandate to actually bring freedom to those captives as we go. Not just as we go on a special feeding trip, not as we go on a special mission trip, but as we go to work every day. We're entering into battles. That's the point. And we've said it a million times, we're going to continue to say it. We didn't just start this church a year ago with the idea that this would just be another church. There's, there's enough of those. And so we're going to continually fight that, that drift towards Sunday is when church happens. And, and church happens here. And even with this amazing gift that we've been given, there is, there is probably more of a tendency because we're not meeting in a temporary basement anymore. We're actually meeting in an amazingly beautiful church. There's a tendency to say, this is where church is. But it's not. And as we continue to go, we go with Jesus. We go with the Spirit. And we go with the mandate that we're to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So next week, we're, we're going to invite a ton of people here. And, and part of the reason we're going to do that is because people still believe that God lives in a church. And they may not know God. They may not know anything about him. But they think he's, he's hanging around churches on Sunday. But the reality is, is that we're going to be here on Sunday. And we carry his presence with us. And we're going to begin to talk about the, res- the restoration of all things with Easter, with the rising of Jesus. And, and we're going to proclaim that there is life here. And we're, we're going to, to begin to walk out our mandate. And so there are those of us that need to, need to be recommissioned into this, that need to, to have some rejuvenation pumped back into us and say, okay, I, I am here for a reason. Even though this job is terrible, even though my boss is a jerk, I know that the Lord has got me here for something. Now, who is it? And when we can have eyes to see that, we can put up with a lot more junk. And some of us actually, maybe, maybe we don't know Jesus. And maybe we need to take this opportunity to say, I, I want that hope. I want to be able to live for something more than myself, more than my last great meal, more than my last great vacation. I want something else because that's fleeting. And then there's others of us that have been actually doing this and pouring ourselves out and have been um, giving of ourselves throughout the week, and it's hard, and it's messy business. And we've prayed for people, and, and we've seen amazing healings, and we've prayed for people, and we've seen them pass. And the reality is, is that the kingdom of God hasn't come fully back yet. And so when we do pray for people, we fully expect them to be healed. It was interesting, uh, last Saturday, I was in the hospital with my uncle, and he had 
basically they, they had said, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to make it. And, uh, and I suppose, no, it's, we'll pray. Because the Saturday before that, I, I prayed for a guy who was deaf and his ears opened up and he could hear. So I was like, we got this. It's easy. And the, and the reality is, is that it is easy when the kingdom of God breaks through, but that there is a not yet portion of the kingdom of God that, that we do deal with death and sickness and we will continue to until the Lord returns. It's messy business out there. And it's hard. But it is the most fulfilling, exciting adventure you'll ever go on. And so we want to invite everyone back into that mission today. And so if you could stand, we're going to worship and we're going to take some time to just ask the Lord to give us new eyes to be on the mission that he's called us to. Give us a new heart to carry his mission with us as we go. And there may be some of you who need something specific, who need prayer for healing, who need prayer for restoration, who need prayer for something. We're going to have a few people down here that would love to pray for you. And if you don't, then what we're going to do is we're just going to take a time. We're going to worship. And we're just going to tell the Lord that we need him. We need him to give us eyes to see. We need him to give us a new direction. We need him to give us a new, new path, a new mission. Because we've lost sight of it. And wherever we are, regardless of how terrible our situation may be in, I promise you that you are there for a specific purpose that you can impact and change the course of history for someone. And so we're going to do that. So we say, Father, we just give you our lives again. We know that nothing can take you, take us out of your hand. We're, we're not even talking about salvation right now. We've just lost sight of the mission. Life is hard and we're busy. But we understand that we're here for a purpose greater than ourselves, greater than our circumstances, greater than our situation. We're here to serve you. We're here to carry your mission out. And we just ask that you give us a new vigor for that mission. That you give us eyes to see that mission. That as we go, we carry your kingdom with us. As we go, Holy Spirit, would you open our ears so that we can hear you more clearly as we go? Will we begin to look around our offices and our classrooms and our workplaces and our houses and our apartment? To look for opportunities that we can bring hope and that we can bring life and that we can speak restoration into people's circumstances. Now, Lord, there's some that may not know you, and so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you begin to draw them to you that you begin to speak to their hearts. And if that is you, that we just say, we're not sure what following Jesus means, but we want to give it a shot. We don't know what it's going to cost us, but I've heard it costs everything. But we get to gain everything in return. And so we just say we follow you, Jesus. You are our Lord. Come into our lives. Take total control. We want to begin walking with you. And Lord, some of us are broken and we're hurting and it's been a long, hard week. We need a touch from you, Holy Spirit. We need to be filled again with you so that we can feel, feel your presence, we can feel your love, we can feel your goodness again. Because no matter what happens, we can stand and say that you are good, God. You are good, you are good. And we just proclaim that today. In the midst of whatever it is we see, we know that you're good. 
love you, Jesus. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.